0: Welcome to TalkErie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale.
1: We want to welcome to the microphone uh, the senator for Erie from uh, for the state senate uh, down in Harrisburg. It's Dan Laughlin. Uh, senator Laughlin, good to see you, sir.
0: Well, you know, Joel, I always enjoy uh, a, a stint on Talk Erie with you, and uh, I think today we probably have a little more to go over than maybe usual.
1: Yeah, again, we have uh, we have a couple of big pillars to talk about today, so let's get started here. Uh, you made a big announcement that you are endorsing Dave White, but in in essence, you're also saying that the at least for 2022, a run for governor is not in the cards. So. Tell me how your thinking process, how you – how you, I mean, because you're pretty methodical. You had metrics. Yeah. T- tell me all about it.
0: Well, Joel, uh, you know, early on this year and, you know, even before that, I, I have to tell folks that I was at least considering this, you know, obviously. But, uh, you know, this spring, uh, after we won re-election uh, pretty handily, uh, and I knew – uh, what 2022 was shaping up to be like, um, I thought that, you know, this, you know, even though it would be a long shot could, you know, at least potentially be the year that I could pull this off. And, um, we, we tried all year long to raise money, uh, and get some traction. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had, had some support obviously, uh, but we didn't get anywhere near what, uh, it would take to do, uh, a truly functional, uh, statewide
1: attempt. So, in order to like get to get to the through the primaries, how much would that take, do you think? Um,
0: I think to do a, a, a truly um, viable primary campaign, you're talking several million, probably three or four.
1: Wow. Yeah. I mean, so so when we have high teens number of candidates right now in the Republican Party, like most of them are going to drop off soon, I would think, right?
0: Well, you would think probably by the end of the year, some of this uh, will stratify and, and, you know, some of these folks will uh, take my lead and and exit, right? Yeah. And uh, I know you were at the conference earlier, Mm -hmm. and uh, I I don't know how you coined a phrase, but I think we coined a phrase there today where uh, I'm leaving by example. Mm -hmm. uh, And Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of uh, folks that are, That have their name in this loop right now uh, that should probably look at what I did today and take a hard look in the mirror tonight and say, you know, I probably ought to exit too because we need to get this down as a party to to three or four truly viable candidates. And um, and then I think it would be a little more, uh, um, I don't know, civilized might not be the right word, (laughs) but uh, it might be a little bit better primary then.
1: Well and and again you know when we when we're talking about presidential politics a lot of people run just so that they can get more people to buy their book after the and they said hey former presidential candidate uh there's not that much uh you know uh benefit for being a former candidate for governor is there there's not there's not that not that much going for it you know i actually know a couple of former g- candidates <laughs> for
0: governor and uh, uh i can tell you there's no book deal in my future either <laughs> right. That's
1: awesome. Um, All right, so tell us about Dave White and why Dave
0: White. Well, you know, I met Dave White about four or five months ago. And, um, you know, at the time, uh, I was fully committed to running. uh, So I viewed him maybe not as an opponent, but just a a fellow competitor uh, would probably be a better way to put it. Uh, But in talking to Dave and getting to know him a little bit, We, you know, we had a a pretty shared background, pretty shared, pretty upbringing was pretty similar. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, both grew up, you know, kind of lower income working class folks. Uh, You know, he came from a bigger family than I did. Um, But, you know, his father was a steam fitter. His mom was a stay-at-home mom. And, you know, as you know, my father was a union carpenter. uh, For the most part, my mother was a stay-at-home mom. And, uh, you know, we... we're the same age, virtually. We we laughed about some stuff from our childhood, and uh, and we just kind of uh, started to hit it off. Uh, and I and believe it or not, I talked to most of the other candidates. You know, at least once in a while, just check in on how everybody's doing. It's you know, it's not all uh, just adversarial, You're right? And uh, uh, you know, and just you know, getting to know people and, and know what he stood for. Uh, You know, the fact that he was a steam fitter for, I think, close to 20 years and decided to go out on his own, start his own business. Uh, Very similar background to what, you know, my brother and I did. So we, you know, we just kind of had that kindred spirit and kind of hit it off. And uh, as things progressed and I realized I wasn't going to make it, Hmm. I started to look around at the other candidates uh, to see who, who I felt comfortable supporting.
1: And it was a clear choice for me. You know, uh, you mentioned that uh, he has invested two million of his own money into this campaign so far, uh, and um, and again, not most people can't do that. Yeah, the self- it's definitely out of my league. Too, Joel. <laughs> the the, the self financing thing. And so, who are the kingmakers out there? Like, I mean, how does a Charlie Giro, uh, you know, get any traction? How does well, how does Corman get traction? Yeah. You know. Well, you know, there's
0: there's a lot of political players in Pennsylvania. I'm sure there is in every state, and I'm not going to sit here and try and name them all. There's yeah. way too many to uh, count for. Uh, you know, Charlie Giroux, um had his own uh, TV conservative TV show and whatnot. He's been involved for you know decades, so he has you know a little bit of a base to build from on, on you know in that res- uh, in that respect. Uh, Senator Corman, you know. He was majority leader in the Senate. He's been there a long time. Uh, he's currently president pro tem of the mm-hmm. Senate, which carries uh, quite a bit of weight. Sure. Uh, you know, so, so you know, somebody like him has a leg up on a guy like me mm-hmm. uh, just in the fundraising efforts uh, and, you know, the
1: infrastructure that they already have. Does uh, does that make things a little interesting at the Senate when you guys are caucusing that you didn't go for your fellow senator?
0: Well, uh you know, w- within the Senate, it's it's almost like uh, like any organization. Uh, you you know, it's a respectful, professional organization. We work together. We don't always have to agree with each other on everything. Quite frankly, usually there's pretty vigorous discussions within caucus on on any given day, and we all learn to work together. Uh, and at the end of the day, realize that you know. The, the job is one thing and the person's another thing mm-hmm. so I have you know I have a ton of respect for senator Corman good family guy uh, His kids play baseball and you know so, so did mine and you know we have a lot in common
1: Mastriano is he gonna jump in or not do you think
0: well you know I, I hate to speculate on on behalf of other candidates right uh, but uh, I believe that he's going to uh, possibly jump in. And uh, you know he's got he's got a very strong following. So uh, if he does, he'll he'll definitely be a contender.
1: When we talked last time, you said you know everybody that's running right now is to the right of me.
0: Yeah,
1: you know it's like a swimming lane. Like you're in this you're in lane four. You're in the middle of the lane. You know the middle lane. Everybody else is out in lane seven and eight, right? <laughs> um. Uh, but that lane didn't have enough green did it you know <laughs> and uh, so it makes me wonder how how this all shakes out to in order to have somebody that can have green and navigate uh, a, a general election like we thought right you could
0: right absolutely Joe. you know uh my opinion on on the lane that i was in has not changed at all uh if anything uh, i feel even more strongly that I had a very good angle uh, to take with uh, battling it out with Shapiro next fall. Um, uh, when I look at his social media loop and what he's talking about, uh, you know, half the time I like to razz him a little bit on Twitter and go, you know, really appreciate you supporting my bills for me, Josh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he has yet to respond, right. but that's okay. Sure. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I still think that lane is, is pretty open especially now that i've bowed out and um you know i realize people have to get through a primary and your primary voters are different than general election voters uh but the sales pitch in my opinion to the to the primary voters is if you pick somebody that is uh, is too far right you're going to come in second place in in november and you know who wants a silver medal in politics yeah or a participation medal
1: the uh what 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 about the idea of um you know, uh, of the primary voters understanding the pragmatism of this, because I think the demo. You know, just to kind of look back to the Democrats uh, in the presidential election in 2020, they could have gone all Bernie, but they went for Biden because that was the pragmatic approach. Do you think Pennsylvania primary voters can be pragmatists when they're voting for their GOP candidate? Because again, Shapiro. He, I mean, he's a beast. He's oh, he, going to be yeah. a beast.
0: He, he absolutely, he absolutely is. And and I will tell you, uh, if any of the candidates are underestimating, uh, underestimating him, uh, or thinking that just because it's potentially lining up to be kind of a red wave year, right, uh, they're going to be uh, sorely mistaken. Uh, Josh Shapiro, you know, he's a bright guy. Uh, he's a, a very skilled politician, and he's just a vigorous fundraiser. He's, uh, from what I understand, he already has $15 million in the bank, and he doesn't have to spend a nickel of it in the primary. So he is, he is going to be a force to, to be reckoned with, uh, and it's going to take um, a very concerted effort uh, amongst the Republicans in this state
1: to, to take a good you know, whack at winning. As a political animal, are, are you, are you kind of sad that you're not going to be in this fight? Well, I can tell you that if if
0: I get home tonight and there's a five million dollar check in the mailbox, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll probably have to get on the phone and tell Dave uh, we may have to hold off on that uh,
1: endorsement. Oh my word! Yeah, uh, it 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 makes it. And again, we're not the only state that's dealing with this, right? I mean, uh, where are basically the primary voter. But I feel like it's it's an acute situation here in Pennsylvania. I don't disagree with you, Joel. And, uh, you know, some of your listeners may
0: even recall or know that uh, I've sponsored a bill that would allow independents to vote in the primary. Uh, And, you know, many other states do that. Uh, And what it does, at least in my opinion, it moderates the electorate just a little bit. Uh, For the people that say, you know, they're going to vote for the bad candidate just to screw over the Republicans or the Democrats, that's just nonsense. Uh, What it does is it, it involves a lot more people that are, are more middle of the road and you tend to stay away at least from the very far left and right. And I think that would be uh, much better for Pennsylvania.
1: So, um... Uh- so basically Shapiro can kind of run as kind of this darling of the media in this national figure and whoever goes against him uh, you know and for you it's going to be Dave White that you're supporting uh, they're they you know they're going to have to figure out a way to build a coalition um, because it sounds like for, even Dave has some is going to have some issues with that that far right uh, those those far right kingmakers yeah. in the center of the state. Yeah,
0: uh, clearly, you know, Dave, you know, in getting to know him, you know, he's he's more conservative than than I am. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm a fairly center right uh, Republican, uh, well suited for my district, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, in the middle of the state, you know, there's some bills that I support that aren't uh, aren't the favorite of the kind of the hard right. Now, you know, Dave, I think will do. You know, just fine in most districts, and uh, and we'll see. You know, we'll see how this plays out because there are there are candidates that are much further right than Dave, uh, and hopefully they won't you know just drag him into the ditch on the right side of the road to wrestle, and uh, (laughs) that's what happened. uh, That's what happened with Mango and and Wagner.
1: Yeah, what do what do you think about um, on on the on the Senate side there? Uh, again, Fetterman looks strong on the Democratic side, but you also have, uh, Connor Lamb over there and, uh, your friend, uh, Senator Street.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's, well, and then there's, and, that's, uh, and then
1: on the Republican side is all kinds, yeah, right? Well,
0: and if I'm correct, I think, uh, Representative Malcolm Kenyatta is also still in that loop at okay. least. Yeah. Uh, I would say, uh, honestly, from what I've seen down, uh, down in Harrisburg that, um, uh, uh, Lieutenant governor Fetterman, uh, is out fundraising all of them. Mm -hmm. uh, And we just discussed how important that is. Yes. Uh, but Connor lamb is obviously, um, a a pretty big name, uh, within the democratic party. Uh, he's pretty, you know, center left. He's not, um, you know, he's not some left wing, uh, radical. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I, listen, I've gotten to know, uh, uh, John Fetterman fairly well over the last few years. Uh, He's a, you know, he's a fairly nice person. Uh, he's way left of me as far as his politics goes, though. Right. And, uh, you know, I don't think Pennsylvania is quite ready for for someone that's that far left. Uh, Interesting. So I think if it's if it's you know if I was a Democratic strategist, uh, I'd be looking at Senator Street and
1: uh, and Connor Lamb. Who do you like on the Republican side?
0: Well. I I've I've become friends with Jeff Bartos. Okay. I know Jeff yeah. pretty well. He's a very level-headed person. Um, you know, I don't know if he has enough money to pull this off, especially uh since I heard uh I think well, it was Dave Dave McCormick is jumping in and Dr. Oz is in. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, I mean, he's got some Hollywood friends, yeah. right? I mean, did, did, I, did I say that right out? loud? <laughs> yeah, okay. that was uh, that was the sigh of the senator right there. Yeah. Uh, uh not a fan. Okay.
0: okay sure. I'll leave I'll leave it at that. Um, I I don't know much about this uh Dave McCormick uh guy other than a little bit that I googled the other day cuz gotcha. I heard his name pop up and uh from what I understand, you know, he's a West Point graduate, Army Ranger, um about the right age. Kind of a you know good-looking guy, and uh, kind of has that whole package. He's the uh, you know he's a hedge fund manager, so I'm assuming he's fairly well off. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and uh, so we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, but, so you know, it, it almost it, feels like the Senate is going to be the, it's the gonna, marquee race this, uh, this time around. Well, as,
0: as some of your listeners may recall, uh, when Toomey ran last time, it was the most expensive Senate race in the country. Oh, I mean, I, if, I, if memory serves me right, it was about $120 million he raised, mm-hmm. And uh, I would say that this, this year, or, or well, next year, technically, mm-hmm. is going to be uh, significantly more expensive than that even. I I I wouldn't be surprised if we hit 150 million in that race. Wow!
1: Couple more minutes on politics, then we'll talk about policy. How's that? Um, All right. So here's here's the big complaint I hear about you is you know again the real the real savages say well he's just a rhino he's a Republican in name only I'm I'm not telling you anything you haven't heard right Um, but I'm like I'm like look at his voting record. I mean, it pretty much holds up. I mean, you have some interesting ideas, right. but they're more—they're more of bridge building than anything else. Is—is is my take? Do you accept my take on that? I,
0: I do actually, Jola. You know, I—I I, I get called uh, "rhino" on social media from time to time, and uh, you know, it makes me kind of chuckle. The—the uh, the district that I hold uh, for folks that you know might not understand politics as well as some of us. Uh, this is a plus25 D district, and you know the, the disadvantage you have running as a Republican in a district like this is, is almost insurmountable. Uh, and yet I've been able to uh, manage it and, and win actually by a, just an absolute landslide this last uh, election.
1: I mean you, just, just, I mean the, you think about the Democratic consultants. And and the people that had a lot of money riding on Julie Slomsky, they parsed every race in Pennsylvania, right. and they thought you were a winnable race. And this, not only did you win, but you won decisively. What, this
0: was the number one race that they th- seat that they thought they could flip uh, when they first polled, uh, and we won by twenty points, which in politics is just an absolute landslide, and like we demolished our opponent. Yeah. Uh, You know, nothing personal, obviously. Right. But uh, a 20 point win in politics in a plus 25 D district. um, That's the biggest swing margin, I think, in the whole Senate, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe in a lot of in a lot of years. So uh, I'm a a little bit of a unicorn down in Harrisburg. People look at me and wonder how how do you do that? Right. Yeah. And I, I tell them, you know, it's by not being super hard. Right. And, you know, you have to have a soften your edges a little bit.
1: Are you cool with most of your votes, or, or some of them do you hold your nose? Uh, I would say once in a while uh, there's a vote that I
0: have to put up, you know, to kind of just be a team member, if you yeah. will. Yeah, uh, And I will tell you uh, that when those occur, uh, it, it gives me pause, but it's usually a calculated vote that uh, – that you know is uh not going to go anywhere mm, you know mm-hmm. if I, I i guess the the accurate way to say that is if i know it's going to be signed into law i will put a lot more thought into it than one that's you know for example it doesn't matter what it which one it is but if the governor has already you know come out and held a press conference i'm vetoing that as
1: soon as he gets to my desk when what's you know what's the, what's point? the point right yeah are you a big christmas guy senator laughlin
0: well, I, I have become a bigger Christmas guy since I got married. Uh, my wife has always been, uh, you know Mrs. Claus, so <laughs> That's right. I have to go along with that.
1: Yeah Well, yeah. and again, you know, he, uh, people don't realize this that uh, he married into like a theater family, and so things are big. Yeah, you know, the Laughlin household. That's awesome. Merry Christmas. All right. Hey, uh, let's let's talk policy here. Uh, we talked. To, we spent a half an hour on politics, and uh, that's fine. Um, but let's talk policy here. Uh, you have really kind of uh, been able to um, kind of get the wind underneath your sails in this first year of your second term. Uh, you've uh, you've promoted uh, uh, several kind of uh, strong bills I mean including you know, adult use recreation uh, recreational use of marijuana we've got the um, ban the boot uh, what are some of the other highlights from 2021 here
0: well one of the one of the bills that I'm uh, expending a lot of uh, political capital on right now Joel is is my minimum wage bill hmm and uh, you know the, the the cannabis bill gets a lot of press uh, but the minimum wage bill is is um, what I consider to be a, a fairly mundane uh, approach to this. It's not, you know, we're not harming any businesses by bumping it up to $10 an hour. Um, and, um, you know, if you only need to look in the help wanted ads, whether it's online or however you get there anymore, uh, to see that most people are paying probably $11, 12 $13 bucks Yeah, an hour the market anyway. is
1: kind of shaking it out.
0: Right, which is kind of, you know, which is, you know, one of the more, conservative arguments is that the market forces will will bear this out which is true okay i i get that Mm -hmm. and uh but the but the flip side of that is then then why not raise it right right and uh you know for uh for a legislator that has to uh deal with politics and and hear the argument you know that we haven't raised the minimum wage since i think it was 2007 or whatever Mm -hmm. it is uh you know it gets a little old and uh and I feel like this is the right approach. You know, it, it raises the floor a little bit, not a ton. Um, but the most important part of that bill uh, is that we included we included a, uh, an escalator in there for the cost of living increases, which has never been done, at least not in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And that that is where the problem lies. Because when you talk to the small business owners and you ask them and you say, hey, you know. If, if we'd have done this back when it was 725 an hour and it would be roughly 10 or 1050 $10. an hour now had it been tied to uh, the CPI yeah but it would have gone up you know 15 20 cents an hour each year and and they would have had no problem you know making those minor adjustments to their business model yeah um, you know most businesses have to bump their prices up each year anyway and um, so to, to just bring that along with it, makes perfect sense to me rather than having these these bigger increases every five ten fifteen years and uh, Mm um and you know the bill also has a a training wage in it where for 90 you know for 90 days it can be it can be sub minimum wage and the reason that that's important you know is for um you know like a high school kid working Mm -hmm. in an ice cream stand Mm -hmm. you know june july and august okay yeah we all get that and kids need to Need that experience?
1: Is right? there a, is there an age graded wage as well, or not really? Uh, it, the the training wage would end at, at eighteen years of age. Okay, okay. So yeah. so, so it's waldemere. basically for high school kids, okay. waldemere type yeah. jobs. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. The um, it's it's interesting because you know, again, you you you've run a construction company all your life, and I'm just thinking about the that general labor. Right. First off. Is it hard to get laborers these days, and what do you have to pay them? Well, you know, uh, we always paid
0: uh, well above minimum wage, right. uh, you know, even back in the day. And, uh, you know, we worked pretty hard, so we <laughs> felt yeah. it was certainly worth paying more. And
1: you didn't want to have to be training people over and over and over again because right. you have that that cycle, right? Right. But, you know,
0: for, you know, things have changed a lot in the last 18 months with COVID and whatnot uh, in the different uh, – Incentive programs, the government has, you know, the federal government has has paid people basically to stay home. And, and you know, and during COVID, I I think we all understood that. Uh, but there's a there's a real crunch right now to try and uh, get anybody to uh, come to work right now. And it's, it's so it's kind of a weird time that we're in. And I, I hope that we can kind of get back to uh, what I think we would all refer to as normal. Yeah. Uh, where there's kind of a healthy supply and demand uh, in the labor market. But, you know, we'll
1: see. Would you be surprised that there are currently in Erie County alone at CareerLink 2,840 jobs available? Uh, that's a
0: number that I had not heard, but it, it doesn't really surprise me. And- I mean,
1: that's not that's not dropping at all, Senator Lawson. Yeah. It is continues to grow an inch up. It's like yeah. we're not making any headway. Yeah. With yeah. workforce, it's yeah. incredible.
0: I'm I'm astounded that there's that many, and the reason I, uh, one of the reasons I say that when when I graduated from high school, I'm gonna date myself here a little <laughs> bit. Uh, I graduated high school in 1980, and it was at the at the depth of a pretty bad recession. Uh, you know, we didn't have the internet then, so the jobs were listed in the newspaper, and there were typically three or four, maybe on a great day there might have been ten job listings, uh, not 2,800 isn't that incredible
1: yeah yeah uh, we're used to and and again i think instill still in some managers minds or owners minds that there should be 10 applicants for every job that i have at my shop or whatever right. well that's totally flipped if not uh, uh been exasperated that there may be you know 12 to 20 jobs for every applicant mm-hmm. i mean they just it's just ridiculous um what can the state do about this workforce thing? I mean, you mentioned it this morning. Population decline. Pennsylvania is just not attracting people. My kids are gone.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, a lot of uh, my brother's family has moved out. You know, they're a little older than my kids. They're 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 all my my brother's an empty nester. And, yeah. Uh, and what we're starting to see uh, within Pennsylvania is is a couple of uh, demographic changes. We're we're getting older as a state, which costs more. Uh, our kids are uh, leaving for greener pastures because you know we encourage them to go to college and they, they get a degree and and the next thing you know they're you know looking you know they're moving to South Carolina or something because sure. that's where where the job that they can get within what their degree is. But what we're also starting to see is the baby boomers that are retiring are moving to where their children are so it's the reverse of how it used to be mm. and you know if we don't do something pretty drastic in pennsylvania to change that and start attracting good you know upper end businesses that pay well
1: uh, it's only going to get worse is the state leverage is the state uh, in a position uh, to be on the positive uh, solution side of any of this stuff or are we just kind of in such a malaise right now because of covid because of divided government that we just have our hands up well i, I actually teed that up and thank you for <laughs> thank you for hitting that uh, for
0: me joel uh you know <clears throat> one of the reasons that i have proposed uh, the adult use cannabis bill yeah. isn't because i love marijuana i want people to understand that i don't use the product i I, you know never it was never my thing. I was always a beer drinker uh, but the revenue that we can raise with that, if we dedicate that to a uh, corporate net income tax reduction or offset, mm. uh, we can lower our c and i from nine point nine to roughly seven or maybe seven point five, which puts us in the in the middle of the pack for the rest of the states and would make us much more competitive. Uh, In the studies that I've seen, you know, for every point that we lower the CNI, we will generate just tens of millions of dollars in in new new business, uh, attracting businesses. And, you know, if we don't take something like that and make a bold move to try and make Pennsylvania more competitive... We are just uh, much like uh, the the term that we use locally, managing decline, yeah. and and that's not that's not why I ran for the Senate. I, I want to take big swings at, at our problems and try and fix them. And that's one of the things that I think we can do. Uh, that's you know that most people should be on board with.
1: Didn't Tom Corbett though really try to uh, you know to you know shrink government lower taxes, and uh, we ended up having big, um, monstrous holes in our basic education subsidies? Well, you know, when he was in office, we were in the in the depth of the recession, right. I should
0: recall. So he had some financial problems that uh, most of the governors haven't had to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as far as the uh, the education funding, I know he got labeled as cutting a billion dollars out of education, uh, but that was a, a little bit of a marketing uh, ploy if you will uh, we added state dollars each year when I say we I wasn't in office right but the state of Pennsylvania added dollars to the basic ed funding every year during the corbett
1: years uh, but what ran out was the federal
0: stimulus dollars correct
1: okay and, and then you had you had some districts unfortunately the Erie district, hired a bunch of people that they had to lay off and it just was well, traumatic for the district it,
0: well and you know from what I understand when that money came through one of the one of the caveats was you know this is this is for infrastructure not you know for hiring more people and, and uh, the, the, the folks that were in charge back then in the Erie School District didn't listen and it made yeah. it, it it certainly exacerbated the problems that Erie had.
1: You've kinda hung your hat, especially in your first term, for being able to bring fourteen million extra dollars to this the city school district. How are you feeling about you know, a fair funding and basic education. I mean, I mean, are we, especially with ARP and, and CARES Act funding, are we f- feeling pretty good right now with how the districts in Erie County are doing? I think most of the districts in
0: Erie County, I know we'll probably get somebody that's angry about something that yeah. calls in, but most of the districts in Erie County right now are, are doing at least fairly well. Um, and with the ARP money that came in, they were able to fix a lot of the uh, – uh, you know, long-term maintenance that maybe they were putting off, uh, which was needed. You know, I'm not sure. going to say it wasn't. Um, but you know, we're in. You know, overall, we're in pretty good shape locally uh, as far as that goes. And uh, and you know, as we as we move forward and the fair funding formula uh, for the K through 12 public school system uh, gets implemented further along, uh, a lot of the inequities I think are starting to at least level out.
1: Yeah, it seemed with the uh, with the extra money that was in this year's budget, uh, you know, kind of jump started a lot of that fair funding and so on. Uh, I I gotta imagine that there's other schools, whether they're in Johnstown or Scranton or wherever else, that, that are feeling like, geez, how did how did Erie get this and we didn't?
0: Yeah, well, uh, I I actually get some flack down in the Senate for how well we did in that uh, first mm-hmm. first four years. Um, you know, it's referred to as the Erie deal and, um, wow. uh, so, you know, that's, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. I'm very proud that we were able to do that. Uh, and yet sometimes I have to defend why. And I explained to them, you know, uh, I think the infamous tour when Senator Wagner went through, uh, was, was it? Uh, Academy, mm-hmm. um, said it looked like, what was it? Baghdad yeah. or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you know, people people needed to understand just how bad it had gotten here. Uh, you know, you can point a lot of fingers on on why we got to that point, point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure there's you know some blame to go around. Uh, but the bottom line is, you know, we had 11,000 kids in there that that needed an education, and and they were being neglected. So yeah, I'm pretty
1: pretty proud of that. I don't I don't know if I heard it wrong, but I I swear I was at a strategic planning meeting where they announced they were basically saying that the the maintenance budget back in the day back in 16 or 15 whatever it was um was like a quarter million dollars for all those buildings like they just absolutely had no money to for maintenance and so you'd get into the elevator and not knowing if you'd make it up to the third floor at at academy or whatever you know it it was crazy um, let, let's, let's talk about, uh, other solution sides. And, and again, um, let's talk about this, this Chris and, and you're, you're pretty convinced that this is going to be the ticket for Erie. Talk about that.
0: Well, you know, uh, I've been advocating for this since the day I was sworn in. Uh, we, you know, talked about this on your show before. Uh, it's a bipartisan issue. Uh, the Senator before me was for it. Uh, senator Wiley, um, there's a Senator, uh, that represents, uh, Scranton. He's a Democrat. He wants one for his city. Uh, and the, the reason is, you know, we can point to Lancaster who, uh, the city that got one right before Wolf took office and put a moratorium on this, uh, on this program. And they, they are, uh, one of the few cities in Pennsylvania that are, that are actually growing. Their population went up in the last 10 years, Um uh, They have completely revitalized their downtown uh they're uh, by the end of 2021 uh, they will have taken in roughly 45 million dollars in economic development dollars that they keep locally and can use to leverage uh whether it's you know floating bonds and paying interest on the bonds uh, you know putting in infrastructure for their you know their businesses like you know in in erie if you were putting in high-speed internet to you know fiber to every building downtown you know that that's that's an attractant to businesses sure and you know we don't have those tools uh you know And the you...
1: idea is that every amount of sale or uh, of state tax that is raised within that zone stays within the zone as opposed to going to Harrisburg and being parsed out like Governor Wolf likes it to be
0: it, exactly and, and that, that's the that's the key it's it's the local control of the state taxes uh within that zone and it's you know it's a godsend to lancaster and it would be for the city of erie um you know i've i've you know i battled it out with the mayor over applying for it he doesn't want to do it because the governor you know told him you know don't bother right uh but you know i i i represent you know the 49th district which includes the city of erie and i'm willing to battle it out with anybody over what's right for my district and this is a big ticket item that i i'm insisting on um you know i've talked to governor wolf about it i i, I think i have a you know at least a tentative agreement with him on on a few things that i'm working on if i can get them done that you know that there are things that he wants as well um he's agreed to to do that uh, i've talked to um you know, multiple candidates uh, that are running for governor, uh, they're on board. And uh, I think as soon as Wolf
1: leaves office, uh, we're going to reopen that program for sure. And it's totally in within the executive branch to decide. This is not something that you can float legislation about. Well, uh, and take care of well, Scranton addition. You, you, you can know. float all the legislation
0: you want, but Pretty if the governor sign. won't sign it, yeah. uh, you know, and then I think that he would veto the bill if we sent one to him that forced them to do it yeah so you know uh, you know my frustration here is Erie is the fifth poorest city in the entire country it's the fifth poorest city in the entire country we have the poorest zip code in America with a median income of ten thousand three hundred dollars that's that's third world country income and to have the governor not give us the tools uh, to lift ourselves up uh, it's you know, I'm really mad about that.
1: Yeah. Let me ask you a question I, I've asked all the county executive candidates and asked uh, uh, executive elect Davis about is, you, you know, your your district is goes beyond the city of Erie. How do you keep up with the Albions and the Union cities and, and the uh, Edinburgh's of the world? How do you make sure that you're balanced between rural and urban? Well, you know, it is a little bit of a challenge, Joel, because the the needs are completely well, not maybe not
0: completely different, but very different, right? Yeah. Uh, we do, you know, we do pop up offices out out in the more rural areas to you know try and get some face time out there, if you will. Uh, we have uh, we track every call and email that comes into the office, and um, you know, so a lot of the uh, constituent work that we do for. Uh, folks in the outerlying areas is is a lot of it's over the phone or or over the internet, uh, but you know we try to make sure that we focus on on the whole district and not just the core. Um, now, obviously, the city of Erie you know has a lot of needs and and uh, you know gets you
1: know a fair amount of attention, uh, but we do try and balance it out. Talk about your relationship with the rest of the Erie uh, uh, delegation to Harrisburg. Uh, our are you able to, to speak as one voice with harkins and mirsky and bizarro or, and park Wentling and uh, brad roy i mean how's that all working out well you know the uh, the differences between the house Sunny. and the, yeah
0: the differences between the house and the senate uh, keep us a little bit separated as far as you know work if you will yeah um but i get along great with all all the state reps that fall within my district um, and we talk fairly often. You know, we'll text each other, you know, happy holidays and whatnot. We're not mm-hmm. uh, we're not adversarial. I mean, you know, during mm-hmm. a, an election cycle, you know, you're out getting signatures for somebody. That's just part of the team sport. Sure. Uh, but I don't think anybody takes that personally. So we, we get along fairly well.
1: Yeah. Uh, the, uh, I mean, the key of uh, – because we're shrinking as population, because we're shrinking as – um in, in our in our ability to kind of be noticed by harrisburg it would it would seem to me that U- united front especially for our big chunky issues like we did i think for the community college i mean that was a significant achievement that uh, seemed to bring bring everybody in and you kind of you came along at some point you know right. with that right well you know <clears throat> i think uh
0: from, from my standpoint, at least, uh, when we're down and you know, when I'm down in the Senate and, you know, we're working on things, um, I make sure, uh, I can tell you that I make sure that Erie County uh, is at the f- uh, center of every conversation that goes on down there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, you know, what it was like for the previous senators that were down there. I, you know, can't comment on that. Uh, but I can assure you that there's not a senator in the Senate that doesn't know where Erie County is anymore.
1: That's yeah. tremendous. we got two minutes with Senator Dan Laughlin. I want to ask you about the Senate and leadership. Okay, so you're not going for governor, but certainly, um, like you like you just mentioned, the, your position in the 49th has standing uh, within the state Senate. Uh, you've got three years left on this term. Uh, do you go for leadership? I mean I, I don't see I don't see the Republicans losing the state Senate anytime soon here.
0: Well, you know a, a lot of the, uh, uh, a lot of the shakeup that's kind of going on within uh, the Senate right now with multiple people running for governor mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. I, I'm sure the leadership structure is going to change a little bit uh, which should provide some opportunities to at least take a shot at being in leadership. Uh, and quite frankly, we have members that are retiring at the end of this current uh, session. So in a year from now, they'll be retiring, uh, which will completely change, uh, you know, the leadership and basically seniority structure within that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would say, Joel, uh, the shorter answer is my future is um, political future is pretty bright.
1: Um, any committees that you are like would love to get your hands on? I mean, you're, you're you know, you're the chair of the uh, the Fishing Game uh, Committee, right? Um, that that is not
0: what's uh, viewed as a very powerful committee, but it's a <laughs> committee that I dearly love, and uh, and and,
1: I, and it's represented by millions of right. Pennsylvanians, right?
0: Uh, absolutely, I I think that uh, that I've I've turned it into a fairly powerful committee, uh, but quite frankly, uh, you know, I think one of the things that uh, really has always interested me and, and kind of drove me to run for office is, is the economic development of mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. And that's, that's truly where my heart lies. So that's what I'll be angling for something within, uh, that has a bigger say in that.
1: How are you getting along with DC, uh, ED is that, I mean, every once in a while the, the zingers go across the, the, uh, podium there. When, uh, when the secretary comes to visit, well, uh, as soon
0: as he, uh, uh, signs the paperwork for a Chris, <laughs> we're going to be getting along just fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There'll be hugs and kisses for yeah. sure. <laughs> On that note, we're going to let Senator Dan Laughlin go. Thank you so much, and Merry Christmas to you and the family. Same to you, Joel. I uh, appreciate everybody listening today, so thank you, and have a great holiday.
0: You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from talkerie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at talkerie.com.